are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Evangelism and liturgy, these are two words you hardly ever hear together. Evangelism and liturgy. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of the Meet and Write podcast. As we are talking about evangelism and liturgy, we are very blessed to have with us Father Abraham Pham, a mission Coptic priest, uh, in the Coptic Orthodox Church in Zambia. So thank you so much, Father Abraham, to be with us today. Thank you, Father Nathaniel. It's good to be here. I have a crazy story to share first to kind of open us up about this subject, about evangelism and the divine liturgy. When I was young, probably at the end of high school, there was a friend uh, of my sister that came to a, a, a retreat, a Coptic Orthodox retreat, and she attended liturgy uh, that we had on, on Sunday morning there. Very, very smart young girl that came, and she walked out in the middle of the liturgy of the word with a very pale face extremely frightened because she was completely overwhelmed of what she experienced in the liturgy she was just so taken back and i asked her hey well you know what's wrong why why, why are you you know why you look so pale and flustered she says I, I don't know what was going on in there like there was a man there walking around with a, with, a, with with a dress on and a pointy hat and he's walking around a table with smoke in his hand and they're just saying all these funny words i don't even understand what's going on like she was just a very smart bright girl that grew up in in the baptist tradition but to her to experience the liturgy it was so overwhelming she was so lost and i hate to say it that was the last time i saw her because she was so overwhelmed and she didn't know where to take it and no one really held her hand to guide her through celebrating the Eucharist in the Orthodox Church that she kind of walked away. So we're very happy to have with us Father Abraham to kind of break down how on earth is there evangelism and liturgy. So the first question I have for you, Father Abraham, is that we know that in the book of Acts we see some of the highs and lows of the early Christians. And we see record of the celebration of the Eucharist. We know that's the centerpiece of our walk toward Christ uh, as we come around the table of the Lord. But where do we see that being a vital part of the early Christians from the book of Acts? Yeah, thank you, Abun. I think that, you know, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, from 42 to 47, it's clear that they were so steadfast in prayers and breaking of bread. Even in verse 46 and 47, it talks about they were in one accord breaking bread daily and what's really nice it's what i love about it it says they were praising god and having favor with all people and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved so it's you know the liturgy even though it's like an inward focused thing people are praying together there's one accord there's unity the believers are are being strengthened but at the same time as are people in the liturgy breaking bread every Sunday and maybe multiple times during the week, it's really focused on adding to the church daily. And that's what the way the book of Acts highlights it. It's not just liturgy for the believers and, and it's no focus on everybody outside. No, the focus is really clear that they're having favor with all people and the Lord's adding to the church daily, those who are being saved. So to be honest with you, our prayers and liturgy should lead to many people coming into our church and being added daily. And I know, I know that's something you say, no, that's from the book of Acts. No, that's the way our liturgy is. Our liturgy is so beautiful and so powerful, so strong. Yes, it's strengthening the believers, but it's also reaching out to people outside to come into this and to be touched and to be encouraged so they can also one day partake also. Very well said. One, one thing that we kind of see that's like a, that's a staple in, in private prayer, communal prayer, liturgical worship, worship in, in the Coptic tradition is the prayer of thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. 
and and I would love for you to kind of shed light on how is that externally focused? How is that inviting for for that context for that for those words in prayer are inviting or welcoming to others for that to be used in evangelism? Of course, the Thanksgiving prayer is a great prayer for every believer to thank God for everything. But one of the things, what part of the prayer says, therefore we ask and entreat your goodness, O lover of mankind, and it goes on from there. So like we're thanking the lover of mankind, not the lover of church kind. <laughs> it's not just, hey, God, we, we thank you for, because you love everyone in this church. No, we thank you because you love everyone in the world. And that's something that even in our Thanksgiving prayer, we don't even recognize it. It's hard to see it sometimes, but he's the lover of mankind. It means he loves all his children, the people in the church and the people outside of the church. So even in the Thanksgiving prayer, like you said, which is done in every sacrament and almost every prayer, it's, it's important to know that God, we're thanking God who loves all his people. And it's so hard. Like sometimes we just go into autopilot. I'm 100% guilty of it. Like that's a, a common churchy phrase, lover of mankind, philanthropic one. We kind of just say it all the time and not really think about it. Yeah. But when we're saying mankind, we're talking about every single person. Like from, yeah. from those that are, are, are cradle Christians that were born into the Orthodox Church to those who maybe stepped away, to those who are completely disconnected and don't know how much God loves them. Mm -hmm. He loves them. And we kind of like, at least for me, don't think twice about us saying every single time that you, God, are the lover of all of humanity. I think that's important. But I just want something to add to that is that we're always taking the viewpoint from our own eyes. Like we're looking at life through, okay, in the church, but we're not looking at it from God's view. Hmm. God's view, these are all his children. And we should, we should, we should see it from his view. Sometimes, you know, everyone in my church is my family. That's important. Look, it's important to have your own family, your church family, but we have to have the eyes of God to see all the world and the people around us in our communities as well. Mm, absolutely. Well, another section of, of the liturgy that we'd love to talk about, Father Abraham, is the liturgy of the word, the liturgy of the word. To me, this is one of my favorite parts because we, we see like a specific message or a specific lesson from the structure of the, of the readings that we have that day in the liturgy. Um, and, and so I'd love for you to kind of share how the, that part of, of the Eucharist, of us celebrating the Liturgy of the Word, it, how is that focusing for us to evangelize or to be a light to others? Well, it's important for us to know that the, even the early church, you know, they would, the important part where the non-believer would attend would be this part of Liturgy of the Word. They would, they would attend readings of the Bible and maybe they heard a, a short homily or something that would encourage them. And we have to utilize in our churches this, this time of Liturgy of the Word that people are not sleeping during this time, but they're attentive to every word that's being being read and preached. And um, this is a chance to invite people to our church to hear a sermon that can encourage them. It's a, to give hope to them, to give encouragement to them. And so this is an important part of our church during liturgy that it's a good time for, for, for new believers to come by that time. And especially the people who are in our church for all these years, we always say, when is the gospel? And when should we should come <laughs> at the end? But I think all the readings are important to, to encourage and lift us up, and especially a new person coming into the church to hear the, the word and, and, and to hear a short homily and sermon that can encourage them and, and bring hope and encouragement to them. And, and even the litany of the gospel itself, the prayer that the priest prays, um, he says, the priest in the second part says, um, this, this is the life of us all, the salvation of us all, the hope of us all, the healing of us all, and the resurrection of us all. The word of God, the gospel that's getting ready to be, to be read or to be sung is salvation for everyone. It's hope for everyone. It's healing for everyone. It's 
So I think we have to understand even the prayer of the priest, it's saying that it's not saying this is the salvation of everyone in the church right now. It's salvation of all. This is the mm -hmm. hope of all. The word of God is so essential to bring uh, an, an, a new to bring a believer or bring a new person to be a new creation. So even the prayer of the priest and liturgy says this is for all of us. So I, the liturgy of the word is a, is a critical point where we should have people come to it and, and we should pay attention, number one, Abunag. I think sometimes we, mm. we fade out during the readings and maybe the sermons, a chance to sit down, to take a nap, but how critical is it for each one of us to, to hear the word and it's living, it's powerful, it's spirit, it's life. Mm. And for those people coming into church, this is a chance for them to be lifted up. Mm. It's for the life of us all, salvation of us all, the hope of us all, the healing of us all. And we have to remember for us all, Let's look at it from the viewpoint of God, not ourselves. I, I, I love the point. Again, we kind of say that all, all we, we, can, we, we think of like how we kind of talk normally. We say, oh, like, oh, everyone was there. Or everyone went to church. We kind of, we're not really meaning everyone. But when we say in, in, in the context of these prayers, all, we're literally talking about every single person that's right. of God. Um, that's within those four walls of celebrating the liturgy in, or even past that, 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 that what we're about to partake of. His word is for healing for every single one of mm. us. And I, I love how you mentioned, Abuna, that like even the, the original design of Liturgy of the Word is for everyone. That's right. Like the, the, it's, it's designed for, for, to bring disconnected people to yes. church or, to, or for someone to take a first step into the Orthodox Church. This is for them to, to come and get that. I'm a deacon at heart, so I just want to give a little nudge to the deacons, is that when you are asked to read the readings, that you are called to preach it that you are called to, to share the word in, 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 and at a good pace with clarity, regardless if there's a, a projector screen or not, forget about that. But you are, 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 are delivering it in a dynamic voice with clarity, with volume, because this is our spiritual food. Like something I love to tell our church in Atlanta is that there are two communions on Sunday. There's communion and liturgy of the word and communion at the end, end of liturgy of the faithful. So like, if you we are delivering communion, we have to deliver it with clarity, with, with precision. We have to, to make sure that we are giving the food and a way for people to understand. So, and this is why I encourage for everyone that's going to attend and celebrate and experience the liturgy, that, that you're there to have communion in the liturgy of the word and in the liturgy of the faithful. Next question for you, Father Abraham, is something that we pray after, um, after the liturgy of the word, kind of the very first part of liturgy of the faithful, is something called the prayer of reconciliation. Well, first of all, it seems kind of funny that, like, first of all, what on earth are we trying to reconcile? And if if we are now moving forward of celebrating the Eucharist and kind of leading toward communion, why is there even re a reconciling of who? And why is that even there? And what does that have to do anything with there being evangelism in liturgy? That's a good question. I think the main thing is the, the way we learned it originally, which is very important, the first foundation is that we need to be reconciled between us and God. Of course, there's lots of barriers keeping us from God. There's a lot of things that are disturbing us and maybe a lot of weaknesses and sins that keep us from God. So we need to be reconciled with God. But part of being reconciled with God is being reconciled with one another. Now, we might think about that as we have a problem with someone in the church. They bothered me. They upset me. I need to fix that. Absolutely. But more so, we need to make sure that we're reconciled with people outside. Maybe somebody at work something happened. Maybe I need to go and apologize. So, so so what our reconciliation between us and God and between us and people has a lot to do with not just the people in the church, but maybe a problem I face with someone outside the church. Number two, it's important for us to understand that God wants all people to be reconciled to him. All mankind, like we said earlier, he's a lover of mankind. So as we're in the church, 
being strengthened and repenting and uniting ourselves back with God as we leave the church and we fix our problems with people that we have issues with, at the same time, all of God's people need to be reconciled to Him. They need to be united back with Him. So when we're praying this prayer of reconciliation, I want us to think outside the scope a little bit. Yes, it's about me needing to be reconciled with God and I need to fix my problem with my friend that I or my family member, whoever. That's very important. But at the same time, again, let's look at it from God's eyes. How many people don't even know God? How many are not united with Him? How many people don't have Him as a father or as a shepherd? Our job is to pray here that God, please reconcile all your people back to you, all your children. And it should just, we should look at liturgy differently. We should look at the reconciliation prayer in a little bit expanded format. Mm. Well, well said. I mean, when, I love thinking about it in this way that we need to reconcile horizontal relationships in order for us to reconcile in a vertical way. And again, as you mentioned, Abuna, it's not just the person next to me that I'm going to greet when the deacon says greet one another. It's way beyond that. It's not just an exclusive celebration. But how am I reconciling with that annoying person at work or at school or maybe somebody mm-hmm. I live with, whatever the case. But I, I need to push myself to continue to push that unconditional love to that person and reconcile with them because this is what my Heavenly Father asks of me to reconcile with others in order for me to, to, to reconcile with him. Let's face it, one of, one of the parts of liturgy where it's maybe hard for us to be engaged is the, the seven litanies. Uh, which we kind of hear us praying for such a wide array of different things, praying for, for the world, the city, uh, m- monasteries, uh, for the water, for crops. Uh, and, and we kind of hear all these items. And maybe, you know, when it was written historically and, and how we look at it now, 2,000 years later, it's hard for us to see, like, how on earth am I praying for, like, for 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 water or for crops or for monasteries so how like what should be our view of of some of these prayers what does that have to do with us or for us to 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 see celebrating the eucharist as something being externally focused definitely the seven prayers is really good because we, we're really praying a wide variety of things and it's very important that we should know that we should be praying for everything really at the end of the day and for everyone and i think that the, the ones you mentioned are very important because it in the prayer it says pray for the salvation of the world and of the city, district, islands, and monasteries. And I think we, we say it so quickly, and I think the deacon responds to that specific prayer, and he says it so quickly, but we're praying again, once again, for the salvation of the world and for the city that we're in. Isn't that a great prayer? Like when you're in liturgy and you close your eyes and you hear the priest and deacons praying for everything, we should quickly go to pray for that specifically. Like I think some of you're right, we tune out, but if we really hang on to every prayer, when it's time to pray for the salvation of the world, let's pray for the salvation of the world. When it's time to pray for the city, whatever city you're living in, we got to pray for the city because there's so many people in that city. It's not just the Coptic Orthodox Church people in the city. It's everybody in the city, right? Like we have to, like our love should be for everybody. Our care, God's care is for all his children. So it's a very important point. And I, I love the, when we're praying for the, the rain and the water for the crops, everyone says, okay, that's really irrelevant. No, but look, it's important that we're praying for that because it's to help the poor. It's to help the needy. It's to help the orphan. It's to help the widow. It's to help strangers. And you know, for us, Abuna, this comes alive in Africa because we really rely on the rain, honestly. Yeah. We have a rainy season in Zambia where it rains three or four months, and if it's good rain, we have crops all year. Mm. And it helps the poor and the needy. And the, so this prayer is, is like, it's not just, um, it's just a prayer that you stick in there as we have to, but it's essential. And I think that every area in the world, I don't care if you're in North America or in Europe or Australia or in Africa, 
we got, there's always poor. There's always mm -hmm. needy. And this is a prayer for them, mm -hmm. for strangers. There's strangers everywhere. And I think that, see, look how God arranged the liturgy to expand our mind to pray for everything and for everyone. And it doesn't say it pray for the poor in the church. It says pray for, this is pray for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the stranger. And uh, we're praying for the crops. We're praying for God to provide food for all their flesh. That's part of the prayer. So we want God to provide food physically and spiritually for all his children, especially the needy, the poor, the orphan, the widow. If we don't pray for that, I mean, imagine how many people are suffering and struggling around the world. And like I said, we see it firsthand in Zambia. And it's important for us to pray. So at least if you're not going to pray for where you're at, pray for us in Zambia, pray for us in Africa. But yeah. definitely it has to be a prayer. And it's see how God looks at all his children. Once again, evangelism and liturgy are there. It's in the liturgy everywhere. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's so true. And, you know, it, the reality, too, is sometimes when we're just praying for ourselves or we're praying in liturgy, we have a natural inclination to only pray for our needs, what's best for me, for my family, for whatever I need. But the beautiful, beautiful thing is the church is basically holding our hand and saying, hey, it's not all about you, that you are called to pray for things bigger than your own little world. Right. So, and, and, and the church and the deacon is commanding us saying, pray for, pray for your city, pray for the monasteries, even though you might not see them or have a personal relationship with them, you are called because you have a bond with them if you realize it or not. And we're called to pray for those, for, 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 for our city, for monasteries, for, for even islands, for, for orphans, the widows, the strangers, and for all. And then we kind of summarize that entire uh, part about the seven long litanies or the seven prayers by saying, Lord, you are the one who gives food to all our flesh. The ones who have nothing, us, regardless of where we are geographically or where we are spiritually, where we are in our stage of life, you are the one to give us food to all. So I love how the church kind of pushes us in that way. There's another part, Father, in the, in the liturgy that... Um, in the liturgy of the faithful where we say he loved his own who are in the world or that god loved his own who are not just christian or orthodox christian but he loved his own who are in the world if you don't mind elaborating on that part of the liturgy and and what should be our focus our, our prayer when we're praying that part yes yeah, so, but i think so many years as a priest i never noticed that I think we just kind of go through, okay, he's born, he, he died on the cross, and liturgy takes you through all these parts where he's resurrected and ascended, all those things. And I think we take it so quickly that it's almost like we feel it's, it's recapping and summarizing something we already know. So we're not really paying attention to it. But how important is the prayer? Just like you said, is he loved his own who are in the world. He loves all his children in the world once again. And it even goes on to say he gave his life as a ransom on our behalf. He, he died for our behalf and we think wait, is it just for me who's in the liturgy no <laughs> and we can't be that narrow focused right sometimes I'm, I'm 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 personally i'm narrow focused but he's giving his life as a ransom for the entire world and it says that clearly in the liturgy and i just think that you know if we it, here's the thing about i think that sometimes we like i said we just go through okay this is his birth this is his death this is his resurrection and we know the story already i don't know why it, you know but if we're praying hey god gave himself up to death for that one outside who's not here right now in this church he died and gave himself as a ransom for those hurting and broken and going through problems outside i need to pray for them right now if you know someone specifically that's going through someone something hard you say god remember them remember them even just generally asking god to remember all those who are hurting and it's important for us to unite with things that god loves mm. god loves his children god wants all his children to be cared for if we don't catch on what he loves, what he sees, what he wants, 
then it's like you said earlier, just to focus on ourselves. So no, definitely. Like I love that part too, where he gave himself as a, a ransom for, for all his people. And, and, and when you're going through liturgy, pray that as a specific prayer, even general prayer. Yeah, I, I love that. And you know, one of the things I love to med- meditate on that part is that we say that he loved his own in the world at, and as a ransom on our behalf, gave himself up to death. So this should this should resonate resonate with all of us that I need to give of myself. How am I giving of myself? Not just being a consumer and saying, you know, what can God give me or what can the church give me? How am I giving of myself up to death in my marriage with my kids at work in my ministry, whatever the case might be? How am I giving up myself just as my Savior gave Himself up for me? And and that should push us and and to be externally focused and to evangelize to others outside of just the four walls. Even the tagline of this podcast is liturgy begins after communion. Liturgy begins after communion. That I'm called to continue to work after having communion and continue to give myself up unto death, just as Jesus did. A very highlighted part in liturgy, where at least for me growing up, it was like you can just feel it in the air. The congregation is belting out this hymn more than any. Maybe we like this part more because we know we're about to kneel down afterward. I don't know (laughs) what we say. Amen, amen, amen. Your death, O Lord, we proclaim. Your holy resurrection and ascension into the heavens, we proclaim. So what's the highlight of that? What should be our, 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 our viewpoint or the lens of how we should look at this hymn? Well, I think the lens that I've always looked at it before was was kind of like we're all together in the church and we proclaim your death and resurrection. And I think that's kind of, that's important, but even more so, do I, like you said, do I continue after I leave liturgy to proclaim his death and resurrection? Do I live it? Do I care to proclaim who he is to others? It's, it's, I, I don't think proclaiming is something we do only, like you said, in the four walls. Amen, amen, amen. We proclaim your death your resurrection, ascension to heavens, we proclaim. Let's be bold that when we go outside the church, that we continue to proclaim. Now, proclaim can mean so many things, right? It doesn't have to be like, we're not going to go sing this hymn to everybody outside, but I think we need to let everyone know there's a living God out there, and he's working in my life, and I hope he can work in your life. And it has to be done in 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 a, a wise, beautiful way that doesn't intimidate people outside but we must proclaim how great and how beautiful our God is in our life and that should be done in a way that our proclaiming in the church should continue outside the church and I think sometimes we forget that we just go in the church and we like you said all of the believers are this is the best hymn and we're all shouting we're all proclaiming but I think God will be even more happier that he sees us going outside the church walls after that and proclaiming who he is and and letting everybody know there also as well. And proclaiming doesn't have to be intimidating or um, obnoxious or annoying, but it's just sharing and proclaiming how amazing God is in our own life. Something personal. And I think that's that's important. That the proclaiming we do in this hymn and we sing in this hymn should continue outside the church walls, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of proclamation, a hymn that maybe a lot of us don't know what we're saying in English, but the concluding hymn that we say at the end of many services, we say those exact same words again. We say, we proclaim and say... Oh, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, if you can elaborate on, on that concluding hymn and what we're saying there. Which is amazing. It's the concluding hymn. Yeah. And we're proclaiming. Mm-hmm. And I think, once again, it's, it's, it's giving us the mission focus and evangelism focus that, hey, we're concluding right now. 
but we must continually proclaim who God is. And I think that uh, that's the beautiful part about the liturgy, that even at the end, you started with Thanksgiving prayer, we ended with the conclusion hymn, and throughout there's evangelism, there's a focus on outer, not inner. And I think you said it better, is that I think we have a lot of, the liturgy, we always were raised that it's about me and strengthening me, and that's true, it's supposed to strengthen us. Yeah. It's supposed to strengthen the believers, but it's supposed to leave us with the, the Spirit of God wanting to help His people. Okay, if we're enjoying the liturgy so much and we're partaking of liturgy and we're tasting something beautiful and we're enjoying the Eucharist and, and people outside are not, there's something wrong. We're responsible to proclaim and let everyone once again come into this body that we have, the body of Christ, and, and to enjoy what we enjoy. Um, we're not an exclusive club. We're, 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 like we said in Acts chapter 2, there was many people coming to the church daily. That's what this church should look like. So let, let's pray during this time that our eyes are opened and, and that we know what God sees and see what He sees and have His heart and have His hands and feet and, and, and go and proclaim. It's, uh, and proclaim, like we said, doesn't have to be intimidating to anyone, but we must not stay quiet. We are responsible. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, Father, I learned a lot from, from you know, for us kind of talking back and forth, pre- preparing for this podcast and even just chatting now of how much of the liturgy is focused. And, you know, I'd love for you to kind of wrap it up for us as far as what should be our focus for us to, to, to approach liturgy a little bit different. Because maybe for it's easy for us to kind of, you know, press the autopilot button or kind of just go out of guilt or just out of routine. But, w- you know, what should be our viewpoint this coming Sunday of how we can be more engaged and get more out of liturgy? That's really good. I think both of us have been, we looked at liturgy today a bit differently. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was nice that, uh, when you take liturgy slowly, like I would never skip over any part of liturgy. Try to look at every section, look it on the screen or in the liturgy book or whatever, and just take it slowly and, and try to get the, the, the spirit of what God is trying for. Like, what does he want us to pray for here? If it's praying for sick or the traveler, is it just the sick in my family? Is it just those traveling that I know my uncle's traveling tomorrow? Or is it for many people traveling in the world, right? It's a, it's, it, we have to see the liturgy, every section in a wider view. So take the liturgy next time. Next time you attend liturgy, take it slowly and see from God's eyes for all his people. Mm. If you're doing Thanksgiving prayer or we're saying amen, amen, we proclaim, or if we're in the seven prayers, whichever part you're in, take it slowly, enjoy every part of it, and try to make it as a prayer and uh, participate in it and, and, and make sure it's not just for you and for your immediate family or even your church family, but that you're, you see the Spirit of God, that you're praying every part as you're praying for the salvation of the whole world. He's the lover of mankind. He came to give himself a ransom for all his children. Let's look at it from a different view, a wider view. And I think we'll enjoy liturgy more and we'll pray liturgy differently. And uh, it'll it just be more enjoyable. It was enjoyable for me to just di- kind of dissect it today and look at it in a different view. And I really learned a lot too and I grew a lot just to thinking about it from that view today. So evangelism is in our liturgy because evangelism is, is who God is. Let's think about it. Like God came to save all his people. He came, that's why he came to this earth. So uh, he's he's the king of evangelism and yeah. he, that's the spirit of the early church like we said in Acts chapter two and that's the spirit of our church today. Let's make sure that it, that's there. Yeah, like my, my prayer for myself and for our church is that we don't just see it as something exclusive that maybe, you know, we say, oh, you know, liturgy is for those that are kind of baptized into the church and, you know, you know, someone else can come to a Bible study or come to something else. 
you know, that might be the case, but at the same time, our doors need to be open. We always need to make sure that liturgy is always open for someone that wants to, you know, be engaged or participate in liturgical worship, that our, 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 our doors are open. And maybe it's something we can do as, as churches, it might be as simple as advertising what time services are in a public place, online, on your website, whatever the case might be, to, because that's sending a message that this is open for all. Like, as we say, that this is for the life of the world. This is for the life of the world. So if we take our pride in knowing that us celebrating our communion with God in, in a Eucharistic way, in our ancient faith way, and we take pride in understanding this is not just for us, this is not just to make us feel good, but this is for others, because we are called to be the light to others, to be the life of the world, just as he was the light of the world. So my, my prayer is that we can do that all together as a body of Christ, as his children, that we see the Eucharist, we see the liturgy in that way that is food for us, and then for us to give that food to others and invite others to come, just as Philip told Nathaniel, come and see, come and see. So if that, if that means inviting people or, or for your church to, to highlight liturgy of the word or to highlight for people to attend you know, the liturgy or for a highlight for people to attend Vespers on Saturday night, whatever the case might be, for them to get a little glimpse of the beauty and richness of our ancient faith of our liturgical worship. Thank you so much, Father Abraham, for your time and uh, for doing this podcast. Thank you, Mabuna. Thank you. It's been a blessing for me, too. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CoptichHymnsInEnglish.com.